0: This is the ID Fanatic podcast coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. Today also marks the anniversary of when George Floyd died, and I just wanted to commemorate that. The year started out with protests in the streets and ended with justice served in at least this one case. one has to wonder about all the George Floyds who don't end up on videotape. Black lives matter, and just because the needle has moved on, we have a duty not to forget that. On a personal note, if you listen to my background in the last 10 minutes of the Grima Gupta interview, you'll know that I've been seeking employment, and I'm pleased to announce that I'll be starting a full-time position next week with the Canadian film rental company, William F. White. I hope to have my new manager on the podcast. He's an interesting guy. And uh, by the way, he also has a short film. It's Me, Billy, a Black Christmas fan film launching on the internet on May 28th. So you can get the details on its Facebook page and check that out. And so on to this week's guest, who's been sitting patiently while I've been going through the introduction. Amy Pallian is a learning experience designer and soon to be ex high school teacher joining us from Los Angeles, California. Hello, Amy.
1: Hello Mitch and hello everybody.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, thank you for asking and thank you for having me here. It's such an honor. Yeah, and by the way, congratulations on your new job.
0: Thank you very much. I've Got all my fingers and toes crossed. I've been freelancing for 20 years and it's gonna be nice to be in a company where you can do some planning Trying to get an understanding of what the needs are in a holistic sort of sense instead of just project to project and uh, not always be working the deadline but be you know doing some long term stuff so I think I'm looking of forward course. to it uh before we start I see uh, from your LinkedIn, you were a follower of both Bill and Melinda Gates yes. <laughs> So I was wondering, yeah. first, why you followed them, and second, if you were affected at all by their breakup.
1: Well, I, fo- I started following them when I just became a teacher and got involved in education, and I was following them because of their contribution to educational programs in Las Vegas, Nevada area. And I am very saddened that they're breaking up, but, you know, it is what it is, life Life happens.
0: <laughs> so to start the ball rolling, are you from LA originally?
1: I was actually born in Armenia mm-hmm. and we came to Los Angeles, California back in 1990. I was almost 15 years old.
0: What was the reason for the move?
1: Better lifestyle. My parents uh, wanted to give us their children. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we are four. I have three oh. other siblings. Yes. And um, they moved here for a brighter future, better opportunities, you know, better education, mm-hmm. which I'm very thankful for.
0: I try to ask this every, every show. What did you want to be when you grew up? A doctor. Oh, yeah?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> a doctor. My mom was an OBGYN back home. Uh-huh. So I kind of grew up in, in clinics. Basically, ever since I was a baby, she she always tells me stories. She used to take me with her to her clinics and how everybody loved, you know, playing around with the baby. So I pretty mm. much grew up being surrounded by medical professionals. And uh, that was my passion. When I went to college, I was a pre med. I was actually studying to go to medical school and then wow. life happened.
0: <laughs> well, what, what did happen?
1: Um, maybe finances. You oh, know, yeah. being, being in, in a, an immigrant, you know, my parents could barely make a living. So it was difficult for me to move on because the medical schools I got accepted into were out mm-hmm. of state and that oh. would require a lot of funding for me to attend. Also, my mother fell ill. She has had heart condition, um, as far back as I can remember. And I just needed to stay. Nearby. So oh yeah.
0: Care of her. I'm sorry about that. Yeah Thank that's, you. That's, that's true. A lot of a lot of careers, you know, sports careers or whatever. A lot of careers get sidelined because of financial reasons. So, how did you uh, reorient yourself?
1: Yes. Um, well, after graduating uh, UC Irvine, I came back to Los Angeles and uh, looked into possible careers. I started working in laboratories, medical offices. At some point I was managing a medical office. And uh, I remember that back when I was an undergrad, I worked as a teacher's assistant in one of the elementary schools. And I remembered how much I enjoyed working with children and teaching and helping in education So then I started looking into teaching positions. And sure enough, I got into teaching and I loved it. I fell in love with education and I continued my teaching career, Mm -hmm. went back to school, got my credentialing and taught. So that was back in 2001. So I taught until 2010, I left education and founded a property management company Mm-hmm. I successfully ran it for about seven years. And then um I really missed teaching. So I went back to be a substitute teacher while I was running my company. Interesting.
0: Property management is quite a quite a pivot. Did yes. you have relatives in the business or something? How did you get into that?
1: Actually I was introduced to an elderly lady who lived in West Hollywood and owned about sixteen apartment buildings. The apartment buildings were left to her by her late um, son. Her her son had passed away, and so did her husband. She didn't, she didn't have anybody, mm. basically. Um, that's how I got into property management, and she would always give me advice. She would say, Amy, uh, you know, at that time, I was a single mom of two. Uh-huh. So she would always uh, tell me, Amy, you need to leave teaching. <laughs> There's no money in teaching. <laughs> you need to get into real estate. There's a lot of money in real estate. And I would tell her, but I don't, you know,
2: yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not
1: a big money person. You know, I, I don't do this for money. Um, I'm more of a passion person. So when she passed away, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, I founded my own company. And that's where I actually started doing training for my vendors, how to use the system, and kind of transitioned into L&D and training.
0: So and, you, were, you were your own training department?
1: I was my own training department, and I kind of fulfilled my, my love and passion for education as well, for learning.
0: So having come from teaching, were you doing high school before you switched?
1: I was doing middle school, high school.
0: How did you deliver the vendor training and how did you adapt from your previous teaching methods?
1: There are a lot of techniques and teaching strategies that overlap when it comes to putting together training for adults. And I I used some of those strategies, kind of like transferable skills from education to training adults. and. How I delivered it at the time was in person, but with technology, visuals, PowerPoints, I'm mm-hmm. a big visual person.
0: Now, you mentioned that you also started a nonprofit.
1: Yes, back in 2014, I started a nonprofit called Building Better Future, and the focus is to provide youth and families with proper tools and resources to succeed, whether it is in education or Um, job search, life in general, Mm. and I actually am putting together a big plan for having an online platform uh, where they can go and they can take online courses, like short e-learning courses on, for example, how to prepare for an interview or how to uh, write a resume or how to reach out to tutors, for example. So that's a big project that's in play right now.
0: How did you get into that?
1: Well, I myself uh, am an e-learning designer and I thought, how, what is the best way I can contribute to the nonprofit? The answer was providing online learning for whoever needs it. You know, it's basically available online for everyone. Yeah. And, um, and that's where i pitched it to the board and um we agreed that it's a great idea and now i'm in the process of building all of that the whole platform the uh, you know action mapping it and and getting started on that in addition to that i also help out another nonprofit with their online curriculum so they're switching from completely paper handbook curriculum to online and uh, I'm helping with that but we started this project back in May of last year
0: so when did you when did you start with e-learning and instructional design
1: e-learning instructional design I started back in 2017 I want to say well, since 2011, I have been training. I've been yeah. in training in uh, property management or real estate because then I switched and I started selling real estate instead of managing it. Um, so I've done agent training, but e-learning specifically around 2017 where I came across some of the authoring tools,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, like Articulate, et cetera. And, um, and I thought it was pretty cool. And, <laughs> And I looked into it and then in 2018, I started a master's degree program um, because I wanted to learn more about e-learning and adult theory. So I went back to Cal State Fullerton Mm -hmm. and uh, took a master's in science in instructional design and technology program. Finished it in 2019, graduated in 2019. It was a Kind of like an accelerated program where we took summers as well.
0: No, yeah. that you were working and, while you were doing that as well.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I have worked since I was 16 years old. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I've I've worked almost all my life. So yeah, I was working and and doing my masters and um and loving it too. I loved it. The program was almost fully online. Um, except for twice, we had to go one for the orientation, and the second one, like a mid-year kind of symposium, where we had to check in and see how everybody's doing. But I loved it, and that's where I was introduced to UDL, which is Universal Design for Learning, and I completely fell on, fell in love with it because, um, and then. I kept asking (laughs) my professors, why isn't every teacher using these strategies? And they kept saying, I don't know, Amy. (laughs) Well,
0: this is is great because I I don't know what it is, so you can tell me all about it.
1: (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Uh, So UDL stands for Universal Design for Learning,
0: Uh
2: and
1: it's basically been uh, initiated from the idea of universal design for physically handicapped, you know how when buildings are required to have Mm -hmm. ramps for wheelchairs, or elevators big enough, etc. But you know, those buildings, when they're designed like that, they don't only help the physically disabled, they also help mothers with strollers, for example, or Uh, anybody who has knee issues, and they can't climb the stairs, and they have to take, you know, they want to take the ramp instead. Mm -hmm. So what what, I'm getting at is universal design uh, for learning is similarly designed, but it's more geared towards learning. So um, it incorporates differentiated instruction, basically, different ways to introduce the topic. So it it has three modules, or three parts. Um, One is called multiple means of uh, presentation, Mm
2: -hmm. multiple
1: means of engagement and multiple means of action or expression. So multiple means of presenting means, um, if you're presenting a new topic, uh, you as the presenter or as a teacher, or as the trainer need to incorporate different methodologies to present the topic what this does is it helps different learners, in other words, learners with different um, modalities to understand the topic better. So if someone is a visual or prefers visual learning, um, then they can benefit from seeing an image of what you're trying to present, or um, those who are auditory, then they can take advantage of hearing what the information is being presented sounds like, etc. And also, you know, uh, brain research shows that um, when you use different parts of the brain when introducing a topic and you repeat it at least three times, the retention of that Mm -hmm. information uh, increases tremendously. So, So the second portion of UDL is multiple means of engagement. So in other words, instead of lecturing and having your students or the learner take down notes constantly,
2: mm.
1: you can use different techniques and different strategies to um, have the, the learners engage in their own learning, uh, more interactive ways, uh, perhaps uh, including some kinesthetic motion related or doing experiments, et cetera. And then lastly, the third uh, kind of branch of UDL is multiple means of expression, or also known as assessment in a school setting. So then instead of giving them pen and paper, multiple question, uh, you know, test, then as a a teacher or as a trainer, you provide different means of how they can express what they have learned. And um, and it basically covers differentiating instruction, which is what it was used to be called back in early 2000s when I started teaching yeah but um, i I actually love how they have uh, put them in groups and their strategies involved and suggestions made on how to do this, which will at the end of the day help with um, providing equity in education. Uh-huh.
0: So is it accessibility oriented or just yes. multimedia oriented?
1: It is both depending on what your audience is and yes it is accessibility oriented as well especially if you are using UDL in e-learning. Mm-hmm. Settings.
0: Uh what about cultural factors and things like that does it talk does it uh, deal with that? It Consciously deals
1: absolutely because um okay so as a teacher you know your culture you know the students culture and as a as an id or instructional designer you should know your audience Mm. right so then um, udl is basically an umbrella and what you do as a trainer or or id or a teacher depends on you you choose the tools that you want to choose and and those tools could fit the culture that you are trying to reach out to. And and you have that choice. And there are so many different types of strategies that you can utilize to reach your audience. And yes, you should always be conscious of um, the culture, the demographics of mm-hmm. your audience as well.
0: So you mentioned the, uh, a big online curriculum wanting for the nonprofit, what is can you tell us a bit about that
1: yes um so basically right now we are we're putting together the plan to um decide we're using action mapping to decide how many modules we're going to be using how we're yeah. going to start up and we're going to be hosting it on an lms right now we're debating between talent lms or canvas it depends on whether we want to lean more towards more academia related or more talent LMS is basically for small businesses or large corporations, but whatnot. Um, The way that that the users would be able to access the trainings is they would have to sign up as a member on our on our website, which is being revised right now so that Mm -hmm. we can have a broader audience. And they would go in and they would sign up and then they would have access to the courses and they would sign up to the to the courses. And the course progression would be that they would have to complete one course in order the other one to open up for them. Um, so we are taking the micro learning approach and um, we're going to be having the, the users go through smaller chunks of information at a time. There will be some feedback that needs to be also completed after each course. And that feedback will incorporate hands-on or critical thinking um, aspect. And um, for example, if, if the participant is taking a course on how to properly prepare for a job interview then they would go through through the module they would take the the pretest and the post test, which would be in the form of an engagement more engaging test, not mm-hmm. necessarily multiple choice and then at the end, they would uh either try to i'm just giving you like a very rough uh, yeah. you know idea they would either try to videotape themselves having an interview. Or they would put themselves in in the position of an interviewer, so there would be changing roles, and they would come up with questions that they would ask to the interviewee, and kind of having giving them the opportunity to reflect and to kind of embed themselves in that situation, and um, understand the interviewer's perspective as well.
0: And the the target audience is it. Uh like teens and young 20s that you're looking at?
1: Mainly, yes. Um, mm. So that would be the youth portion of the nonprofit. But we also, I, having been a single mother myself for many years, um, I feel like I wanted to bring in my, my my character and my experience into this as well. And um, I also want to reach out to single mothers or single parents out mm. there not necessarily just single mothers, but because I understand how difficult it could be to be a single parent. And uh, number one issue that that parents or single parents specifically face is, you know, having a security, a secure job, or or how to approach a better opportunity out there. So yes, the audience would be mainly youth, but, um, but also single parents, it's it's more family oriented. Mm. Um, there will be in the future there, there are plans for the nonprofit for the future, to also start working on reaching out uh, students or learners with special needs. And that also is a, a very a personal decision of mine, because I have a son with special needs. And mm. there are very scarce resources out there for people with special needs. And I would like my nonprofit to be something, a resource as well. So that's, mm. that's a future plan.
0: Cool. Um, are your kids uh, still living at home? How, are the, how old are they now? Uh,
1: I have two boys. My older son, Chris, who's at UCLA, actually, he's a junior there. And my younger son Eric, he's a uh, he's a ninth grader in high school, mm-hmm. so it, it was his first year in ninth grade. Uh, but yeah, Eric lives at home, uh, but my older son is at UCLA.
0: Any any, uh, any tendencies towards education, or, or what are their plans for the future?
1: Well. Uh, I'm not sure about my younger son. He's yeah. 15, so he's a teenager, <laughs> still testing the waters. But my older son is—he's uh, ma- majoring in cognitive science.
2: Oh, really? And
1: uh, yes, <laughs> yes, and uh, he started off with a different major, then he changed it, and now I think he's—he's he's concentrating on becoming an MFT, marriage and family therapist.
0: Oh, how interesting.
1: At some point he wanted to do UI UX Yeah, <laughs> and then he switched. So I'll we'll see.
0: Guess he thinks so oh, that's, that's mom's thing. So I'll do something
1: different. <laughs> oh, it's interesting you said that cause I was designing the logo. I actually designed the logo for our nonprofit and he saw it and was like, mom, you're actually pretty good at this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I said, "Well, thank you." <laughs>
0: we all live for our children's approval.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, when it comes from a twenty-year-old, you know, you're you're doing something right yeah. <laughs> because they are the the now generation. You know.
0: So uh, the final question for this part: What do you do to stay sane when you're not working?
1: Oh, <laughs> I take up take up volunteer work. As you can see.
0: <laughs> I thought that was work. I'm the- <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no. Working with nonprofits, that's just volunteer. I just volunteer my time. It's just uh, my way of giving back. And I, I strongly believe that everyone can succeed in life. We just all need to have the right pr- uh, resources and the right tools. And um, I do my best to contribute to community as much as I can. And quite frankly, when uh, COVID happened last year
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the nonprofit I'm involved with reached out to everyone saying, oh, you know, we're trying to do this and we're trying, you know, we're looking for volunteers. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to jump in. I, I said, I am ready. Just Let's just do this. And, you know, and we've been planning and working on it. It's actually uh, in a pilot phase right now, mm-hmm. the curriculum. That
0: so. well, sounds great. You've got a yeah a, a variety of uh, not just interesting but you know meaningful occupations to uh, to throw yourself into.
1: Thank you. I mean, I also have hobbies that I uh, get engaged with when you know I have yeah. nothing to do and I yeah. want to stay sane.
0: <laughs> like like what?
1: Uh, I meditate and um, I go for walks. I love symbolism, so I read. Uh, I look at art paintings and find symbols and interpret symbols um, I read I like reading mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts
0: what are you reading yeah. now
1: uh, right now I'm uh, reading the portable the portable Jung you know Carl Carl I haven't Jung heard I haven't Jung. heard his
0: name in a long time <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am a big fanatic. <laughs> I love Jung. I love his, uh, his interpretations of our consciousness and unconscious and semi-conscious. Um, but yeah, I, I love his work.
0: That's the two-minute warning. To wrap up, I like to ask these 10 questions from the actor Studio TV show. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to just uh, respond to the first thing that pops into your mind.
1: Okay, this sounds like fun. Let's do this.
0: What is your favorite word? Gosh. (laughs) What is your least favorite word? Dude. (laughs) What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Humanity. What turns you off? Hatred. Do you have a favorite curse word? No. (laughs) Um. That's a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) What sound or noise do you love? Calming. Sorry, what was that?
1: Calming sound? Is that what you asked? What sound of noise? Yeah,
0: yeah. Calming noise. And what uh, sound and noise do you hate?
1: High pitch.
0: What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Therapist.
0: And what profession would you not like to do? An attorney. So the final question is what I call the heaven question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Welcome, Amy. We've been looking forward to seeing you.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that's it. How do you well, f- Did
1: oh, I pass? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you passed.
0: You got in. They're waiting for you in the background. <laughs> so thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Um Oh, I forgot to mention that we met at the GLDC.
1: Yes, we did.
0: Cool. Well, you're doing a lot of good work, it sounds like.
1: Thank you so much, Mitch.
0: Appreciate it. I'll see you on Fridays.
1: See ya. See you Friday. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe and read a review. Good, bad, or ugly, let me know what you think. That link again is kite.link slash the ID Fanatic. You can contact me, Mitch Moldofsky, on LinkedIn, and I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye, bye, bye.